Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. We are continuing in our series on fearless finances. We have been going through the scripture and talking about and encouraging ourselves in the area of our finances and strengthening our life in our finances that we are not afraid. I wanna read for you our core passage of scripture one more time. It's Matthew 6 and 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in their barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God, I thank you that you see us and I thank you that you care for us and I thank you that you supply for us. And God, that you say that one speaks and one hears, but all of us are changed by the power of your word. So we ask you to do it again in this place, in this moment, in this day. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Why don't you just look at somebody close to you and say, I am fearless in my finances. Oh, come on, look at a second person with a little bit more guts in your voice and say, I am fearless in my finances. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this idea of being fearless in our finances. Because as we began to step into this series, and I knew I wanted to encourage you in the very important topic of our finances, all I kept hearing around the subject of finances was fear, anxiety, and worry. And that is not God's portion or desire for your life. He says that you can have more than enough. says that he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory, that you are never to be lacking, but that he can always provide all that you need. And we started off saying we don't have to be fearless in our finances because we know that God is our source. We know that everything that we have comes from him and we know that everything that is is under his hand and under his power and so that he has the ability to direct all that we need towards us. And then last week we talked about we are fearless in our finances because we have wisdom in our finances. That God has made us stewards or managers of his finances and therefore we take great pride in having great wisdom in our finances. And Phil and I sat down and we responded to questions that you sent in on how do we practically live this out. I know that it's all God's money, and I know that I want to live a generous life, and I know that I don't want to have fear, but in the real everyday, day-to-day of my life, how do I live this thing out? And you all sent in some amazing questions that we dug through. You actually sent in so many questions, A, that we went longer than we normally go. I'm going to try not to do that today. And two, that we couldn't even get through all of them. So we sat down last week, and as part of our podcast, 
podcast that goes out, we went and dug through a bunch more of those questions and tried to respond to as many of them as we possibly could because this practical area, I believe when you get wisdom in your finances, when you go, I have a handle on what I'm doing with this thing, that it strengthens your confidence and it positions you for God to use you in the area of your finances, for you to be a blessing to other people, that it positions us in a way where God says, I can trust you with more because I see how you've been faithful with what you've had now. Some of us want more and God wants to send us more, but we don't have any understanding or any control over what we already have. So how could God send us more only to join in our story of financial chaos? And we talked about resources that we're gonna be launching and that we're rolling out. If you're in the church family update, we're gonna talk about those in more detail because I want you to have stability and wisdom in the area of your finances. And that's where we've been over the last couple of weeks. Before we move on, I just want to um, love right here. You have glasses on and like a tan shirt. Yeah, you just went, what's up? What's your name? Jasmine. It's nice to meet you, Jasmine. Would you do me a huge favor and just stand up right where you are? I promise you it will be worth it if you will trust me. It's nice to meet you, Jasmine. Just wait there for me, okay? Um, Joey, will you stand up for me as well, please, sir? Thank you. Appreciate it. And I think there was a couple, I think you're a couple. It's tough to see the balcony, but you're, you both have glasses. You're like right here and like, sir, you're kind of leaning forward and yeah, you just looked at him. Can you guys stand up too? Can you say your names for me real loud? I can't see well. Chad, Chad and Yvette. Yes. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Um, while you guys are standing, Miss Connie, Will you go give Joey $100, please? And Kristen, can you run up there and give that couple $100? I sent the young one up into the balcony. You see that? I didn't send Miss Connie up into the balcony. And Sergio, can you give this young lady, Jasmine, $100, please? Thank you. I'll stand up. Somebody said, I'll stand up. It's not a fool. He's like, if that's what we're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Can I have this mic? If you were standing, you can sit now with your money. Congratulations. Sergio, why were you so quick to give her that $100? Because you asked me to. Because <laughs> I asked him to. Busted. <laughs> Miss Connie, why were you so quick to give him $100? Because I was asked to and it wasn't mine. It was God's. <laughs> See? There we go. Kristen, is she back yet? She's still up there. Kristen, can reel out. Why did you give the $100? You told me to. Exactly. Here is, I'm talking in both microphones. How's that for you guys back there? Here is the secret that you didn't know, which is before service started, I gave all three of these people $100 and I said, I need you to hold on to this and I'm going to need it back at some point. Right? I said, I'm just, I want you to hold on to this $100 and just wait. At some point, I'm going to ask for this money back at some point. Because today we are talking about that we get to be generous because we are fearless in the area of our finances. And this is the picture, is that you have money in your hands that God has given you. And he says, I need you to hold on to this for a while. I'm probably going to need it back at some point. 
I probably have something that I want you to do with it at some point. I probably have somewhere that I want you to direct this money at some point. But can you just hold on to it for a minute for me? And then when he asks for it, just like these people, we get to stand up and we get to move that money wherever God tells us to move that money. I want you to look at what it says just a few chapters earlier, or a few verses earlier in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where the moth and the rust destroy it, and the thieves break in and steal it. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither the moth nor the rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the life of a believer. The life of a Jesus follower is a life of generosity that says God has given me wealth and God has given me resource and God has given me finance and I get to store up riches for myself, not here on earth, but in heaven. And the way I store up riches in heaven is that everything that he gives me, I hold it with an open hand. Everything that he gives me, I hold it as a resource that he might have need of in some way. Everything that he puts in my hand, I'm asking him, God, where do you want this money to go? God, what is the reason and the purpose and the intention for this finance that you have put in my hand? Because the things that we purchase here on earth, the things that we store up here on earth, eventually will fade away. Eventually, they will disintegrate. The moths may eat them, or the rust may get them, or they may crash. That we cannot, I was, um, and sometimes we take this the wrong way. I was looking and I was reading in comments on social media, which is always a great place to, you know, engage the best part of your life. I was reading on these comments and someone was talking about the idea of living generously and of living uh, financial, with financial wisdom. And this guy commented on it and he was like, whatever, I don't believe in that. I've got this fancy car and I love it. I can't take my money with me. I might as well enjoy life. And I was like respectfully, sir, you actually can take your money with you, just not in that way. The Bible says that you can store up riches for yourself in heaven, that you can store up wealth that is eternal in its nature and eternal in its reward by the way that you steward your finances while you are here on earth. It says that when you take your finances and you use it to bless other people, to pour into someone else, to make sure that other people are also prospering, that others also have enough. It says that when you give generously of your finances, that that is how we take our money with us and we store up for ourselves not wealth here on earth that can be eaten and destroyed, but wealth in a heavenly, eternal place where no one and nothing can ever eat and take that away. And this is not a statement against you having fancy cars. I know of a Hollywood producer who has all of the fanciest things that you could imagine and dream of. 
but they use their wealth and they use their finance and they use their influence to help and to reach out to other people. People who are in their sphere of influence who you and I may never have access to and who have the types of needs and hurts and the type of lack in their life that many of us could not comprehend. It's not about not having the fancy things. It's about do I have something that I say, God, whatever you want to do with this is what I want you to do with this. Do I see all of my life as a resource that he has put in my hand that I say, God, if you gave me a fancy car and you tell me to let somebody else use that car, then that's what's going to happen with it. Because at the end of the day, I see it as yours and not mine. God, if you give me a space to use, I want to use that space to reach out and to bless others. I want things to move through my life, not just into my life. I want to be able to use my finances and my resources in a way that blesses and enriches other people's lives. God, I just want to be a conduit that you move your wealth through, that you move your resources through. God, give me a generous heart. The book of Proverbs 11 and 25 says, a generous soul will prosper and whoever refreshes others will also be refreshed. I want you to prosper in all of your life, in all of your being, in all of who you are, in every way that God has made you and formed you. I want us to prosper even as our soul begins to prosper. As God prospers you physically and as God prospers you financially, I want your soul to prosper in a way that we say, I have this thing and God has called me to take this thing and to give of it to someone else. I want this thing, this money that God has put in my hand to not stay with me, but be, to be used as a blessing for building someone else, for encouraging someone else, for strengthening someone else, for advancing someone else. God, you have supplied all of my needs. And because all of my needs are supplied, God, I want to be used by you. And I want to be able to be generous in all that I do. I believe that generosity is at the core and is at the heart of the life of a Jesus follower. It is central to everything that we believe. It is the crux of our salvation and it is the crux of our Christian living to live a life that is generous and outgiving. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would have eternal, would not perish, but would have eternal life. Some of your translations might use the word sent, that he sent his one and only son. And at the center of that word and the idea of that word is that in the authority that God the Father had, he took the thing that was under his authority, he took the person of Jesus and he gave it in a directional, missional intention to impact the future of those who would believe in Jesus. 
The question is, do you have the ability, do you have the will, do you have the desire to, in the same way, take the money that God has put under your authority and to give it and release it and send it in an intentional, directional way that has missional impact on someone else's life and on someone else's impact. If I have finances that God has given me, I don't want to be frivolous in the way that I spend that. And I don't want to be uh, silly in the way that I direct it. I want to take what God has given me and with great intention and with great focus and with great authority and with great desire for a missional outcome say, God, you have given me finances and I have used it generously to impact someone else's life, to ensure that someone else encounters the message of Jesus, to ensure that no child at Christmas time has no gift under the tree for them, to ensure that everyone in my community has food to eat, to ensure that everyone in my life has all that they need, to ensure that everyone around me has something that they can say this at the center of all that we believe is the giving of someone else. It's someone who said, I can withhold nothing. Our faith is not a faith of withholding and our faith is not a faith of, of restraint that says, let me just hold on to this thing until I can finally get enough for me and mine. Our faith is a faith that says, I'm living with open hands and I'm living with an open heart, God. And whatever you have, I need that thing to move through me because you freely gave to me and now you are asking me in the same way to freely give unto others and generosity then becomes our entire lifestyle finances are a part of that but it says a generous soul will prosper a generous person will prosper someone who is generous in all that they do in all that they encounter in every way that they come into life we say God everything that I have is something that you have in your hand that I'm just holding on to until you say I have need of that thing so God can come to you and say I actually need you to spend a little bit of time doing some tutoring for some kids. I actually need of you to do some pro bono work on this next quarter. I actually need of you to let that extra bedroom in your house be used for someone. I actually need of you to loan out your car to somebody. I actually need of you to use your words as things of encouragement that are pouring out and that are sowing in to other people. I actually need of you some of your finances to ensure that my work keeps going forward generosity becomes our entire outlook on life because when we believe that there is not enough we say how can I possibly tutor that kid that's going to take of my time and don't you know God that that's a skill that I've developed I deserve to be paid for that thing and God says I need you to do some pro bono work and we're like God but I have to make the end of my quarter budget amounts and I have to make sure I'm hitting my goals and I have to make sure I'm returning everything on time and God, don't you know that that's going to mean someone else in my space and in my house and in my zone? And of course, I'm not talking about being silly and just picking up any random somebody to be in your room. I just feel like I need to say that. But God's saying, whose house is it? Whose room is it? Whose extra bed is it? I thought I asked you to hold on to this for a while. 
I thought I was clear when I gave it to you that I might have need of it. Can you imagine if one of these people, Miss Connie or Kristen or Sergio, would have been like, no, nah, I'm not giving them that money. I'd be like, maybe, maybe you misunderstood. When we were talking earlier, I said, hold on to this for me, and I'm going to need it back in a little bit. But we do that to God. God goes, hey, that thing I gave you, I'm asking for it back now. And we're like, well, I've gotten very comfortable with this thing, God. I've named it. It's my favorite now. God, do you want something else in my life? Because this thing, this thing I want to keep for myself. And God's going, it wasn't, maybe you misunderstood. I gave it to you and I said, hold on to this for a while. I gave it to you and I said, can you hold this for me? I might have need of it in a little bit. And we don't ever live in the fullness of the life that God has for us. And I believe there are reasons that we begin storing up wealth for ourselves on earth instead of storing up for ourselves wealth in heaven. And the first one is that we love money. We love it. We be thinking about it all the time. I mean, think about it. How often is money on your mind? In some form, how you're going to get more, where you're going to spend it, what you're going to do with it, what, what's happening. We love our money. And it prevents us from being generous. We love the comfort that it brings to us. And we love the stability that we feel for it. And we love the status that can be gained from having money. And our love of money becomes a barrier and becomes a line that it's impossible for us to overcome in place of our love for God. But Matthew 6 and 24 says that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he makes it so plain. He's saying, what I'm saying is, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve the God of all the universe and your money at the same time time. You can have money and serve God at the same time, but you cannot serve the purpose of your money because that beast will always be hungry for more. But when you serve God, he says, I always have purpose for your money and I always have intention for your money and I always have somewhere that someone's going to go and I'm always looking to pour more into you, but so many of us, God can never pour more into us because we love what we have so much that we hold on to it with closed fists and we lock it up in tight boxes and God's saying, if I could get into there, if I could break that open, if I could get you to just open up your hands a little bit, you would see that I have blessing that you haven't even dreamed of yet that I'm waiting to pour into your hands. But if I poured it into your hand right now, you would miss it and you would lose it and you wouldn't be able to hold on to any of it because your fists are clenched so tightly because you love the little bit that I've given you so much that you don't even have eyes for the more that I want to give to you. When our heart moves towards God instead of moving towards our finances, it's easy for us to live with an open hand. Says God, what of this do you need today? And what else do you want to put into this hand? 
The other reason I think that we don't actually go after living a life of generosity is because we don't truly believe that it is better to give than it is to receive. At the end of the day, we're like, that's a nice idea, but I really like receiving. And I really like keeping. And we have not grasped on to this truth that for your soul and for your life, there is more benefit in releasing the thing that God has put on the inside of you than there is to holding on to the thing that God has put on the inside of you. Look at what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart and not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. We are joyful and abundant in our giving. And God is saying to us, what I'm trying to do is actually get you more than what you have right now. But we have not really believed deep down in us that if I give this away, God has better for my life than the thing that I've held on to. It's difficult for us to imagine the future that we might live in someday because we can't quite see what that would look like. And we can't quite imagine the more that God has, that he has a prosperity for your soul, that he wants to unhinge that feeling of the heaviness, that weight that you live in, that he wants to return to you in financial increase and in ways that finances could never purchase for you, of joy in your heart, of peace in your spirit, of a rested mind, of sleep that is so sound and so settled. And those things don't come to us as long as we are holding on to the thing that God has given us to be our seed for the future. God says there's something in your hand that if you will release it, I want it to grow into something greater in your tomorrow. But as long as we still believe that what I have today is the best that he can possibly have for me, then we never have the faith and the resilience to release and to trust in God for our tomorrow. And the other thing is simply that we haven't all the way sink, sunk in that it is truly his. We still kind of believe it's mine. We still kind of believe this is mine that I get to decide with. And this is mine that I get to hold on to. And as long as I see what I have as under my control, and as long as I see what I have is according to my strength and my hand and my will and my smarts that gave it, and I'm not taking away from the hard work that you did. I'm not taking away from the diligence that it takes to build wealth, to earn wealth, to steward it financially well. I'm just reminding you that all of the everything that you have, the body that you have, and the mind that you have, and the family that you grew up in, and the relationships that came into your life, and the education that you earned, and the skills that you have, and the job that you have, and the home that you live on, and the paycheck that you have, all of that is because of the good grace of God that allows us to have his good benefits, that allows us to have the things that it is to live in his 
his world, that he placed you in those environments, that he showed you how to learn, that he gave you a mind to think, and he gave you hands to work, and he gave you the ability to get wealth. And when we remember that it's all his and it's all because of him anyway, it's much easier to return to him what already belongs to him and say, God, I want to live and I want to be a generous person. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your needs for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. It says that he is the one who gave you the very seed that will go into the ground and will return to you in a harvest, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of living in a line with his divine purpose and with his divine plan and his divine strategy. And the thing is, when we can overcome these barriers of belief, when we can overcome this messaging that I don't really have access to it or that it's actually better for me to hold on than it is for me to return it, when I can overcome that my love for you, God, and my heart for you, God, is greater than my love for finding and is greater for my love for material things, then we can overcome a life that is restrained by stinginess, that is restrained by just today thinking, and we can live a life of generosity that says everything can move through me. God, whatever you trust me with, I'm willing to hold that thing with an open hand, and God, every part of my life is available to you and has access to you, and we have to move into this place place of living and of giving because God has an abundant form of giving that he has for you. God has a way of giving and of generosity that pours out of the life of a believer and it starts with consistent generosity. I think there are four ways that God calls us, at least four ways to be generous or that we can see our giving. And the first is in the form of consistent generosity. This is my consistent habit, my regular rhythm, the way I have built into my life that I will be a generous person, that every week that you find me, I am giving, that every day that you find me, something is moving out from me. Our consistent generosity is the generosity that we have intentionally decided, I am going to give in this way. It's things like our tithe. When we say, I have decided that my first and my best, my first and my best are going to come into the house of God. And I've decided that I am going to consistently, every week that I come in, that I am bringing my tithe into the house of God. And we decide that our regular offerings where we go, you know what, God, you've been such a blessing that I don't want to stop at my tithe, but I want to give a regular offering that I've decided this much extra is also what I'm bringing consistently into the 
the house. It's our regular charitable giving where we go. This is the thing that I have decided that I am giving on a regular basis, that I am partnering with this other organization that is doing gospel work in the world. And I want to make sure that they are funded, that they never come short of their mission because I have given into them. And we say with habit, with regularity, with consistency, and this kind of giving is the giving that has the power to break over our lives that love of money. It has the power to break over our lives the poverty and the lack mindset that is so much part of our everyday culture that says all that I'm supposed to do and all that I want to do is build up enough wealth for me and for mine, is to build up enough so that I have all of the things that I want and all of the things that I desire, but God's says my starting line for you is to be a person who consistently and regularly says this is a place that I have started and let me tell you the starting line for that is the hardest place because once you get going in it you realize the faithfulness of God you realize the goodness of his favor. You begin to experience for the first time that it truly is better to give than to receive. When someone comes in and shares a testimony about how they said yes to Jesus, you get to look and say, I had part in that because I have consistently given in to the mission and the work that God has called us to. When a couple tells their story about how their marriage was re-strengthened because they went through the Symbus material, you get to say, I have part in that because I ensured that the house of God was funded. When a child says, I moved out of poverty, you get to say, I had part, and all of a sudden your life expands beyond yourself, and you consistently and regularly move into a place of giving into the things that God is building. The next level, I think, or the next area is through spontaneous generosity. Spontaneous generosity is not generosity that you had intended necessarily. It's not the generosity that you've sat down and gone as part of our budget. We have put giving as the very first line item. Spontaneous generosity is the generosity that occurs as you are going through life and you're prompted in a response to something and you're prompted because of what someone shares with you or you're prompted because the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and say, hey, you have something in your hand that I have need of today. You have something that I want you to transfer from your account to someone else's account today. There's something in your life that I have need of and I'm talking to you right now about, it's not the consistent, regular, always there giving that's breaking down every week, the mindset that all that I have is mine. It's another level of giving that says, God, what are you asking of today? And what are you, maybe it's a response, you're in a service and you're like, God, I need that thing. And so you spontaneously decide to give in the middle of a service. Maybe it's when you're out somewhere and you're eating at a restaurant and God says, do you see that family over there? I want you to go pay for their bill today. Maybe it's the giving where God says, I just want you to slide a $50 into an envelope and go drop it off in that neighbor's box with no name on it and no note on it. Just tell them that I love them and that I was thinking about it. It's the giving that all of the sudden we go, there's something in my hand that God 
wants for me to do and there's something in my, in my sphere that God has for me to give. This is a level of generosity that we can move into when we go, I have been consistent and faithful. It begins to open up a part of our hearts and a part of our lives where God says, what you have is not just for you and it's not just the regular, I have something that I want to touch someone else with. I want to take a minute pastorally on this, though, because I have a lot of conversations with people and say that spontaneous generosity is not generous if it's money that is already spoken for, that already belongs to someone else. What do I mean by that? I mean, I have conversations with people sometimes, and they tell me, well, I'm behind on my rent because I've been sending my cousin money. And that's not generous. Your heart, I think, is in the right place when you do things like this. Because you're like, I want to be spontaneously generous. But if that money is already spoken for an agreement that you have gone into with someone else, and you take that money and give it in a different direction, you are not being generous with your money. You are stealing from your landlord. Because that money is already spoken for. That money might be resting in your account, but it technically already belongs to someone else. Because when you signed a lease or when you signed a car agreement or whatever these things are, you made an agreement with that person that this amount of my money will come to you. It's why I want you to be wise in your finances and get control of your finances because your capacity to be spontaneous with your giving increases with the more grasp you have on the direction of your finances and with the more extra you have in the space of your finances because the next space that I think God walks us into is sacrificial generosity. Generosity that costs me something. Generosity where I say I'm not going to have so that you can have. And it's one thing to be generous with my extra It's one thing to look and go, I had $20 left at the end of the week. I'm going to buy my roommate a meal today. And it's another thing to go, God's asking me to give something. That means I'm going to have to give something up. So the distinction between this and what I just talked about is that it cost you something, not somebody else something. Right? Because it's also kind of easy to go like, well, my landlord will be all right without that rent for one month. It's tough to go, ooh, maybe I'm going to skip lunch for the next two weeks because God's asking me to make sure that that kid has lunch every week. It's tough to go, I bet I could skip all my coffees this month and make sure that someone has the books that they need for college this month. (laughs) Somebody felt that. Yes, Lord. Textbooks aren't cheap, I feel you. It's tougher when God goes, I'm asking you to cut back in some way so that someone else can move forward in some way. But God asks us to give in a way. When we look at the New Testament church, it says they gave in a way that sometimes they felt the lack of it so that someone else could see increase in their life, so that someone else would begin to move forward. And here's the thing about sacrificial giving. What is sacrificial in one season of your life 
may become spontaneous in another season of your life. What is sacrificial in one season of your life may become consistent in another season of your life. The very first time I sponsored a um, child who's part of the Compassion Program, I was in Bible college, and my budget was not just shoestring tight. It was like thread tight. It didn't take much to break the whole thing. It was tight, thin, not extra. So someone comes, and I've told you guys I've been so blessed that I have always been raised to give of my tithe. So that wasn't really a barrier for me. I had been doing that, and I had been living on the rest with very little left over. And someone comes, and, you know, you're at an event, and they're given the compassion spiel, which I've grown up in church, so I've heard this like a dozen times, and I'm like, God, I don't have any extra, so that's cool. I'm just kind of rolling, waiting for the next part of the program. And, you know, you start hearing the Holy Spirit talk to you like, there's a lot of kids. I see a lot of kids on that stack. I can see all the cards. Somebody should make sure those kids have enough food. You ate this morning, didn't you, Meredith? And you're like, Holy Spirit, who are you talking to? Are you trying to be over one seat? You saw what's going on in my bank account, right? And all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit just starting, it was like, I think $25 a month at that time. Going, I bet we could save five bucks on this. And I bet if we didn't buy this, we could save five bucks on that. And I bet if you could cut out that, we could save $3 there. And he just started slashing through all, basically every extra expense that I had. It's like three coffees and a donut once a month. And he was like, I bet you could live without those. And then that kid could go to school and have consistent meals every single day. And I was like, I wish that I could tell you. I was like, yes, Lord, you found it. You found the $25. Let's do I was like, I know. You are not taking away my three coffees and my one donut every month, God. And maybe that's funny, but it was a sacrifice for me. When you feel like this is the only extra that I've got. And I got my card and I signed up and I started my first sponsorship of compassion. But what I want to tell you is that that was sacrificial for me in a big way during that time. But during this season of my life, we have three kids that we're sponsoring through Compassion. We've been, every time we had a new kid, we decided we also wanted to sow into someone else's kid. So we have a compassion child that we sponsor for each one of our boys that's around the same age. And that's not honestly a deep sacrifice for me at this stage of my life. It's more part of our consistent giving that we have budgeted into it. And in new spheres and in new spaces, God is saying to me, hey, there's something that I'm asking for you to give. There's something that I want you to give that is more than just the extra. There's something that I want you to remember that when you give of yourself in the way that I gave of myself and sacrificed my entire life, that there's something. It's what we do as a church every year at the end of January when we come in with our declaration offerings because it's our opportunity to say, God, what is above and beyond? What is the extra? What is something that is going to cost me something to bring 
bring into your house. There is a level of giving where you go, God, I'm sacrificing part of my life and part of who I am because I believe that you're calling me to and I believe in what you're doing. And I think the next level of giving is audacious generosity. I wanted to call this one like fun generosity or good time generosity. This is big, bold, outrageous, audacious, God, watch what you can do with it kind of. I'm talking about giving away cars to people, and I'm talking about paying for somebody's student loans for something, and I'm talking about finding out, hey, what are your medical bills? I can write the check for that kind of giving. I'm talking about giving away houses and building hospitals overseas. I'm talking about the kind of giving where you just get to go, God, I have something that you've put in my hand, something that can change somebody's story, something that has the ability to move somebody's life, something that I have in my hands that can be more than enough. It's like out there, wild, crazy, God, everything. And this is what I have found out about giving. Everybody wants to be audacious in their generosity. Everybody goes like, if I win the lottery, I'm buying everybody cars, right? If I win the lottery, my whole family's getting houses. When I win the lottery, I'm rebuilding that food pantry downtown. I'm going to be crazy with my giving. But this is what I know. If you haven't been consistent in your giving yet, you have not built the muscle and the stamina required to be audacious in your giving. That God has audacious giving for his people. He says that he wants the wealth of the nations to be found in his people's hands so that his people can send it out to make eternal impact and change the story of somebody's life and recalibrate what someone's family like. He wants you to be the kind a person who goes, I heard this, this single mom in my church how was having trouble getting her kids around. So I just went down and I bought her a car and I took it to her and I said, here you go. I'm going to take care of that for you. Everybody wants to do that. It sounds so much fun, but we haven't built yet what it means to be sacrificial in our giving. We haven't built yet what it means to be spontaneous in our giving. We haven't built yet what it means to be consistent and regular and build the habit of our giving. God has audacious ways that he wants to move through the hands of this church. He has audacious wealth that he wants to trust you with. He has audacious gifts that he wants to see you give and to pour into somebody else. And he has audacious harvest that he wants to see returned into your life because of the gifts that you have given out. But we can never achieve that level of audacious generosity if we can't start with our consistent generosity and going Every week, my money will be found in your house, God. Every week, I will be sowing into somebody else's future, Father God. God, whenever you need for me to give money to somebody else, I'm here for you and I'm ready for it. God, what is it that you want me to sacrifice in my own life to see that something moves forward? We can never get to this exciting level of audacious generosity until we have built up generosity on generosity on generosity and go on. I am getting greater and greater in my giving every single week. I want to read to you Acts 4 and 32. The book of Acts tells us the story 
of the new church, these new followers of Jesus getting started in what it means to follow him. And a big part of it has to do with giving. And in Acts 4 and 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed. Say the full number. That means everybody. Of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. One of the characteristics of the church, of the people of God, of the followers of Jesus from the very beginning is that they had united hearts that outflowed into generous lives. They had united hearts that outflowed into generous lives. And I believe that God's desire for his people that are part of this church is to have united hearts that outflow into generous lives. That from every single one of us, God has placed something in our hands that he's saying you have something to give. You have something to bring into my house. You have something that I'm asking you to allow to move through your hand towards someone else to ensure that the future mission, that future people are impacted for the kingdom of God. From the most meager among us to the most abundant among us, God says my desire is in your unity. My desire is that you would all be part of this, that the full number of the house would be part of what's happening. 